Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wal Aqibata Lil Muttaqeen Wal Aqidwana Illa Ala Dhalimeen Wa Ashadu An La Ilaha Illa Allah Wahtahu La Sharika Lah Wa Ashadu Anna Muhammadan Abduhu Wa Rasooluh Sallallahu Alayhi Wa Ala Alihi Wa Ashabi Wa Man Da'a Bi Da'watihi Wa Stanna Bi Sunnati Ila Yawmiddin Wa Sallam Tasliman Kathira أما بعد فأوصيكم والنفس بتقوى الله عز وجل والسمع والطاعة ويقول الحق سبحانه أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما all praises are due to Allah, Lord of the worlds. And surely the best reward is ultimately for those who have taqwa. And surely there is no animosity except for the oppressor. And I bear witness that Allah is one and has no partners. And that Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, is his servant and his last messenger. May Allah always constantly send peace and blessings to Muhammad to his family, his companions, to all those who call to his way and establish his sunnah to the day of judgment. As to what follows, I begin by reminding myself, by cautioning myself of the importance of taqwa, the importance of the consciousness of God, that this consciousness guides us in everything that we do. And Allah has revealed to us in his mighty book, O you who believe, have the consciousness of Allah and speak a straightforward word. So it's not enough just to have the consciousness of Allah. Qulu qawlan sadida. Speak a straight word. And then Allah said, He will forgive you of your sins. He will release you of, of your evil deeds. And whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger has surely gained a mighty triumph. And so in that spirit of qawlan sadida, we again look at the example of Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. And through his example, through his qawlan sadida, straight, direct words, and he would say, he would say, khayrul kalam ma qalla wa dal, the best of words is that which is short and to the point. And so with this consciousness, with this understanding, we look at the miracle of the Prophet ﷺ, who has given us guidelines, guidelines to keep in our minds as we move through life, especially as we are nearing the day of resurrection. And it is reported, Su'ila Rasulullah عن أكثر ما يدخل الناس الجنة قال تقوى الله وحسن الخلق وسئل عن أكثر ما يدخل الناس النار فقال الفم والفرج. The Prophet peace be peace and blessings be upon him was asked on one occasion, what is the main reason why people will enter paradise? And he answered, تقوى الله. This is a direct answer. 
Taqwallah, the consciousness of Allah, and good character. That is the main reason. Not your family lineage, not your clothing, not your wealth, but this taqwa, this consciousness of Allah, this fear and hope, this conscience and good character. And then he was asked about what is the main reason why people would enter hellfire. And he said the mouth and the private parts. This is straightforward speech. And what this gives us is four categories. And we want to look at two of the categories today in relationship to what is happening around us. We want to look at taqwa and the mouth. These are four categories. In terms of taqwa, we have a beautiful example, and it is reported that Umar ibn Khattab asked Ubay ibn Iqab about taqwa. So these are two great sahabas, and one asked the other, Give me an example of taqwa. What do you think? What is taqwa? And Obey said, have you ever walked on a path that has thorns on it? Umar answered, yes. Obey then said to him, he asked him, then what do you do then? And then Umar said, uh, I rolled up my sleeves and I struggled. Okay, so the question is, you're on a path, there's thorns on the path. What do you do? Umar said, I rolled up my sleeves and I struggled. And Obey answered, he said, that is taqwa. To protect oneself from sin through, throughout life's dangerous journey so that one can successfully complete the journey unharmed. Beautiful example. That is the essence of what taqwa is. And taqwa is that fear, it is that hope, it is, a, it is a consciousness, it is a way of approaching things, that we approach things with the consciousness of the Creator. So whether it be not only in the masjid, in your business, at school, in the normal society, you approach this with the consciousness that there is a mighty creator above everything. And that we first have to relate to the pleasure of Allah before the pleasure of the creation. And in terms of the mouth itself, the mouth we could say is divided into two parts. One is that which comes out of the mouth but the other is that which goes inside. And normally people think of the mouth with those things that come out of the mouth, that we need to be aware of this, because again, it is one of the main reasons why people would enter hellfire, lying, scandal, backbiting, hurting people with your mouth, swearing, insult, but what about the other part? What is it that goes in the mouth? And we know that food goes in the mouth, drink goes in the mouth. Now there are all types of things going in the mouth. Smoke is going in the mouth. Chemicals are going in the mouth. Remember, the Prophet said, this is one of the main reasons why people would enter hellfire.
This Wednesday, October 17th, Canada became the first major world economy to legalize recreational marijuana. Many look at this not just as a little amendment. This is a national experiment. This is an experiment. And this is going to have profound effect upon our social life, our cultural life, our economic life. And out in British Columbia, Mike Farnworth, who's the Minister of Public Safety, he, may, he put out a warning to his people. And British Columbia may have one of the highest levels of the use of drugs in the country. And so Mike Farnworth said, amongst the words he said, he said, it is an octopus. He's talking about marijuana. He said it's an octopus with many tentacles, and there are many unknowns. There's many things unknown about this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful to the Muslims, so merciful that in the last revelation, the basis of life in different societies and different parts of the world was dealt with. The religion was complete. And in the early part of the prophethood of Muhammad when he was in Mecca, he was raised amongst a people who enjoyed intoxication. They enjoyed what is called khamar. And it was mainly in a liquid form. And there are at least a hundred words in Arabic to describe wine, to describe the goblets for the wine, wine parties. It was part of their life. And this is the way it was in many parts of the world. Some people gained some social benefit out of it. Some people may relax when they, when they did it. But it was something that was pervaded all over the society. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in his infinite mercy, and wanting this door to be totally closed, prohibited khamar in stages, tadarruj. And so it went in stages. The first stage came about, we find Surah Al-Baqarah verse 219, so within this verse, Allah reveals, they ask you, O Muhammad, about intoxicants and gambling, say, in both of them is great sin and benefit. But the sin is greater than the benefit. This is stage. There's sin in it, ithum, and there is manafia, nafa. You can benefit from, some profit is in it. But the sin is more. So it's easing the Muslims toward uh, a prohibition. And these are the first two issues that come in. The second stage now comes in, and you will see in the great Tafsirs, Fatul Qadir, and uh, many of the other great ones, you'll see discussions about what was happening to the Muslims. Because surprisingly enough, and we have to speak a straightforward word, drinking of alcohol, Muslims drank alcohol in the Meccan period. And going into the Medina period, they also drank. It was more of a social thing, but they did drink. But the effects of it, there's some unknowns in this. 
it can affect you sometimes in ways that you don't know. And it is reported in a number of hadith and one of a companion who was leading Salat. He had been drinking and he led Salat and he said in the prayers, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ أَعْبُدُ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ He said, O oh, you uh, kafirun, disbelievers, I worship that which you worship. Imagine being in back of him. So the Sahaba says, Subhanallah, la a'budu ma ta'budun. He forgot the la because the mind was changed. His memory was affected. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in Surah An-Nisa verse 43, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, la taqrubis salata wa antum sukara, hatta ta'lamu ma taqulun. Al-Ayah. Allah then revealed, O you who believe, do not approach prayer when your mind is intoxicated, befogged, until you know that which you say. So that's another stage. And in that stage, it is saying very clearly, do not have any drinking, social, anything around the time of the prayer. It's easing them now. But that wasn't enough. That was not enough. And as time went on, and then leading into after the battle of Uhud, this decisive battle in Islam, 3AH, after the Hijrah. After this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then closed the door, telling the believers in, in the fifth chapter, verse 90 to 91, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, innama al-khamru wal-maysiru wal-ansabul wal-azlamu rijsun min amal al-shaytan, fajtanibuhu la'allakum tuflihun. Allah then revealed clearly, O oh, you who believe, intoxicants, gambling, idol worship, drawing lots for fortune. They are all an evil abomination from the handiwork of the devil. Stay away from it in order that you would be successful. And so in this clear discussion came, no more doubt at all as to how you drink, when you drink, what you actually do. And the Prophet ﷺ said to them, clearly, if you're a believer, you'll get rid of it. And it is reported that they took their jugs of wine, because it was mainly a liquid form, they took the jugs of wine and they broke them until the streets of Medina were running with the liquid. They broke it, they ended it. And by ending it, ending it in that point of time, with this clear definition, from the Quran, from the mouth of the Prophet ﷺ, it closed the door of taking intoxicants until, the, until Yom Al-Qiyamah. The door was closed and there's no difference amongst the ulama. But when they look at the other verses, the verses are there, we understand there is even a category of the Quran which is called mansukh, and that is that, that there are verses that were time-based and they were uh, superseded by other verses. And it shows tadarraj, it shows the stages in it. And the Prophet ﷺ had to make it clear. And so he said, Kullu muskirin khamar, 
Made it clear, every form of intoxication is khamar and khamar is prohibited. And then he said, ma askara kathiruhu haram. So whatever will get you drunk in large amounts, then small amounts also is prohibited. Closing the door. And it is reported sometime later on, after a few hundred years, there was a big discussion that went on amongst the Muslim ulama, because when the Mongol hordes were coming out of the east, and they had passed through India, and they picked up hemp with them, they were carrying hashish. And so it entered into the Muslim world in a, in a way that never been before. Now new forms had entered in hashish and uh, opium and marijuana, all these forms entering in. This is not the regular uh, intoxication, which is liquid form. It is not the kind that necessarily makes you drunk, so you can't walk straight. It's something different. It is affecting the mind. Umar ibn Khattab in one of his favorite, famous statements dealing with this, he said, Al-Khama ma yukhamad al-Aqal. He said, Khama is that which covers up your intelligence. It veils you over. So he took it a stage further now. So that which is covering it up. But they debated, and especially in the Hanafi school, they debated because they said, we understand it's supposed to be wet. We understand that it's supposed to flow. Opium doesn't flow. And the ulama in the great debate brought the hadith reported on Abu Dawood, on Umm Salama radiallahu anha, Naha Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an kulli muskirin wa muftir. In this hadith, which is authentic in Abu Dawood, the Prophet uh, Umm Salama, who is the great uh, wife of the Prophet, peace be upon him, known as the hidden advisor, she made it clear, reporting on behalf of the Prophet, that he prohibited muskir and muftir. Muskir is that which makes you sakran. It is the intoxicating that makes you drunk, alcoholic beverages. But muftir is what gives you the head. It gives you, it changes your consciousness, what we would call today narcotics. So clearly in the tradition, all forms were prohibited, wet form, dry form, all of it, and the ulama closed the door. And so hashish and opium were stopped, and they were seen as part of the corruption in the destruction of the society. We are now under a test. Our young people are under a test. We are part of a society that has given us, in most cases, freedom. It has given us uh, employment, safety, and we appreciate this. But part of being Canadian is that you have the right to choose things that you do, that you are not forced to do everything that everybody does. And you should respect your religion, respect your culture. That is very Canadian. And we have to understand now that it is clear that the Khama, all forms, and marijuana now falls in this category 
and you can call it Mary Jane if you want or anything, it's still the same. It falls in that category because it has mind-altering effects. It will alter your mind. It is psychoactive. So it will literally change your mind. It weakens senses. Your senses become weakened. In some cases with different forms of marijuana, it is also, it will give you hallucinations. It is also addictive. And these things will take us away from dhikrullah, from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the ulama are clear in its prohibition. However, the question is raised medicinal marijuana. What about if it's medicine? From the words of, uh, of many of the ulama, because this is an area called at-tadawi bil-haram, you are taking medicine with something that's haram. And they spoke about this. So our position is very clear that we are using a haram substance. Number one, a qualified pious Muslim doctor or a non-Muslim who is sensitive to Islam, knows that we care about our Islamic law. That doctor has to, has to prescribe this medicine has, has to say that I cannot find any other medicine to treat your illness. And normally it would be a, a, a psychological, psychiatric illness. I cannot find any other medicine to, to, to treat your illness. And so you can take it. This thing with near certainty will give you a cure. Number two, no alternative medicine should be available. Homeopathic medicine. Chinese medicine, different forms of medicine. We would need to try different forms before we go to a tadawi bil haram, using a haram substance in order to cure. Number three, if it is prescribed to somebody in a limited way, it should only be used for the cure and nothing else. Remember, what is legal in Canada is recreational marijuana, recreation. That means when you play, sport and play. That's not what we're, what we're talking about. It's a limited door that is open, and we should try our best to stay away from that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has clearly prohibited. Because really, if we look at our society and many societies in the world, if you look at the hospitals, if you look at the mental institutions, if you look at the accidents on the highways, if you look at abuse in the family, if you look at violence, you will see that in most cases, there are drugs and alcohol in back of it. So it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are a drug-free society, an alcohol-free society. Allah blessed us. Let us not throw away the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and let us speak with wisdom to our younger generation. So they will be protected, inshallah, from this fitna and from all of the trials and temptations as we move to the day of the resurrection. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li walakum wa li sa'ili muslimina min kulli dhambin istaghfiru innahu huwa ghafoor rahim.